Now, Father, we thank you tonight in Jesus' name. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given us to help us because you are building uh, nations in the earth to be aligned with that which you want to see happen. And often our cultures and our traditions and customs and the things that we were born into, they become a stumbling block and they compete with that which you want to establish in our lives. And tonight we pray and we thank you for the grace to, to embrace wholeheartedly and to allow your word to defeat us, to dismantle everything about who we have become. And so we thank you. I plead the blood of Jesus upon this uh, meeting tonight. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the anointing and the grace and the revelation uh, to teach in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, we are continuing, family, on our, our, our topic that we started last week, Miss uh, Kuluma, last week on, on something which I, is very dear to many uh, African people who are in the church. But the, the thing is, we have not been open uh, enough and transparent enough to discuss these issues. And, uh, and our understanding of them have been very shallow to the point where we offended many people, many traditionalists and, and Africanists uh, in our attempt to explain ourselves and to uh, kind of relate to them who we are and what we are about. And so what I'm going to share with you tonight is, um, is just part of, of those ongoing discussions that we're going to have from time to time. I've written, I'm, I'm trusting God that what I've written will, God willing, will be released when he sees fit. But I have really, I've, I've written a book along these lines and uh, most of the stuff that uh, I'm sharing with you, of course, you we do research accordingly in this particular section. I think it's about two or three chapters uh, in the book. Uh, but it's, it's things which, if we are not dealt with, these things compete with who we are supposed to be in the kingdom. Because on one hand, I am holding that which I was told I am. My worldview is uh, dictated uh, to by that which uh, my Zulu culture tells me that I should uh, do. On the other hand, there is the word of God that says when you uh, receive Jesus and you, you, you are part of God's kingdom, your worldview changes in a whole lot of uh, ways. So we need then to be able to discuss this to, uh, to say, what, what, what do I become when I really accept Jesus? What happens of my uh, Zuluness, uh, so to speak? So we're talking about I am an African, uh, yet in God's terms. I am an African, I'm a Zulu a man, but in God's terms, in God's terms. So this is what we're going to be discussing uh, tonight, and I'm, I'm trusting you to just tread with me and understand also, as a Christian, so everything I'm sharing with you, I'm sharing from a Christian point of view. I'm, I'm sharing this uh, from a, a Christian perspective, from a kingdom worldview. In other words, this is how 
uh, Christians view these issues, how do we know that? Based on what the scriptures teach. Uh, so today, it is our last discussion. I am not going to be able to cover, there's a lot to discover, uh, to discover, of course, and to discuss along these lines, but there, there are two things that I would love to address uh, tonight. Number one is uh, what we call izlozi. Izlozi, or batike itongo, ama tongo. From ikama ubu tongo, leleyo, those who have fallen asleep. So we need to discuss that uh, to a certain degree tonight and come to an understanding with regards to what the scriptures have to say about these issues. Number two, and the last uh, thing I need to discuss with you tonight is the impact of God's word on uh, our indigenous culture. When we accept the word, when the word begins to do a work in me and my identity is renewed, how, what damage does that do uh, to my perceived uh, ethnic culture? So those are two main things. As time goes on, of course, we will be discussing other things, but uh, just allow me to, to for today, just to discuss with you only these two, only for today. And then um, some time in the future, we will, uh, we will then pursue it further. The first scripture I want to start with is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9. Now, this particular scripture paints a scene uh, after have, everything has happened in the earth, uh, in what we call eternity, uh, uh, it, it reads as follows. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In Matthew Sambulo, chapter 7, uh, verse 9. It, it, it paints a scenario of a diverse group of people in eternity. When you read carefully there, it talks about um, its nations and its tribes, its peoples and tongues. Now, at this point in eternity, uh, they have been able to uh, come before the Lord from diverse uh, backgrounds, uh, diverse ethnic and diverse uh, cultural backgrounds. Uh, by then, they would have heard our earthly experience, what you and I are still uh, involved in at this particular time. They've gone through all that. Now, they are in eternity with God. Now, why, why, why are they in heaven? They are in heaven, family, because they would have done what Abraham did. Remember the Bible uh, in Genesis chapter 12. The, the Bible says, God asked Abraham to come out. So as much as they're coming from diverse uh, nations and, and, and cultural settings, but the fact that they are now in heaven, it does not mean that when they were in the earth, they 100% were absorbed into their ethnic culture doing according to the dictates of their cultures. For them to make it to heaven, to be in the presence of the Lord, they would have done what Abraham did. Uh, they would have come out. 
Now, God told Abraham, he said, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land I will show you. Now, Abraham, of course, came out physically, but we come out spiritually. We come out culturally. We come out, I even dare say, ideologically. We come out because there, are, there is an unlearning. God has got so much to teach us in terms of his ways of doing things. Uh, others call it uh, his, uh, his economy. His, there is a, a specific way how God uh, wants us to do life, which is totally different from how the nations of the world do life. Now, culture is, uh, is defined as a way of doing life. Now, we cannot be doing life the way we want to 100% and then also be able to embrace how he wants us to do life 100%. One of these must will have to uh, be dropped. Hence, the Lord God tells him before the long journey that Abraham had with the Lord, the first thing he tells him that you will have to, uh, to undo certain things because God's word uh, of course, according to that scripture in Revelation, it, it makes us one nation, one nation out of many nations. Mm -hmm. There is a problem with uh, Let's just, just carry on, family. So I was I was making a point, Uguti. Laba Zalwane Espabonaglila Vesi Lesambolo. They would have done what Abraham did because Abraham was, was called by God, was invited into a relationship, so he was asked to come out because Unkulunkulu has his way of doing life. There is something called a kingdom worldview. Uh, Unkulunkulu wants us to, to live life in a particular way. We are a nation according to God's word, a nation with a culture. It's called a kingdom culture. Now, because of that, it then uh, requires, it demands that we begin to look at what we were born into to see how the two work. Uh, what kind of relationship does my Zulu culture have with my kingdom culture? Because uh, one of them, of course, will have to influence my worldview, how I look at different issues. It is dictated to by a particular culture. And so, Labazaonege, they, they, they came from different races, and, but they were at the time of our reading that scripture, which is a prophetic scripture, uh, one nation under God, uh, demonstrating one culture, which is called kingdom culture. And uh, the next thing, as I'm trying to lay foundation, and uh, I, again, I plead the blood of Christ upon this, um, this whole message tonight. In Jesus' name, we come against every form of attack, spiritual attack from the enemy. Uh, we speak from God and we speak from the heart of the Father. And we thank you, Father, for your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 17, remember it says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. They, there's a saying that says, men throw away broken things, but God never uses anything uh, until he first breaks it. So the first thing that God does when he's going to walk with us in a serious relationship and for us to be able to fulfill uh, our, our kingdom mandate in the earth, there's a breaking that will have to happen. Uh, God never uses anyone until he first ensures that that particular person is undone. We are dismantled. All that we would have become before we came into a relationship with him, our ideology, our perspectives, our certain insights and um, all the stuff that we, we learn in this life. We, upon us accepting Jesus, we need to submit that and surrender that at the foot of the cross. Now, all those things are filtered through the word is we live on a safe and all that we have known is poured into the scripture. Whatever comes out at the bottom uh, is what we should then uh, live with and pursue. Umastata is sikole to empower it. Kule sefo sezwi. Okungafunek. Salapezul. And everything that God wants us to, to um, embrace and take with, even from our Zulu culture, we are singing our pants, then we take that. So what I'm saying is, we must, uh, at the very outset, understand the fact that there will be a breaking, there will be a disconnection with the old for us to be able to walk with God. There will be a dying of the old. There will be a detachment that happens. Often that is very painful, Often that comes with a lot of questions and a lot of uh, misunderstandings at times because I, I, at, at this age, I've come to know and understand the world in a particular way. Now, when I get born again, for instance, in my 40s or 50s or even 60s, it becomes a problem because there is an unlearning that I will have to engage in for me to be able to walk with God and be effective in the earth. So let's talk about the, these issues, get family uh, together uh, today, because they are important. Number one is those. Uh, I was um, I was looking at uh, Doctor Uvivio Mkize. Uh, he comes from Umsamo uh, African Institute. Labo talabazom kumbulo Uvivio Tim Mkize. Wachala kulokozini FM. And uh, now he is an advocate uh, for these things concerning Ubu uh, Africa and all the issues that relate to uh, tradition and culture and customs and the like. So he, he defines ethos as follows. Let's listen carefully. He says, it is a spirit that possesses a person to become all an African healer. Let me repeat that. A ethos, it is a spirit that possesses a person to become an African healer or uthanya. I didn't even know that an African healer is also called uthanya, but that's what it is. Um, the word ethos, when he explains it, 
It comes from the word ukuzokomela. Kuzokomela. It's the word I've never heard before, but that that's umsuka. That's the root of the word ilzos. Now, when he defines that, he says ukuzokomela uh, is to interact with someone. Ukuzanganyela, no tila, is to interact with them. Now, one of the things that confuses you know that there are churches that believe that you can uh, marry both. You can marry the Bible and you can marry uh, African tradition. In other words, you can go to church and still follow your uh, worship ancestors, for those who worship them. But they say something different here, which I'm going to share with you just now. But they are saying you can hold both together as an African and run with both. Uh, forgetting uh, to understand that they were talking about two different cultures uh, in this instance. So, one of the things they mentioned there, Bazalwan, is that Izozi Ali Konzwa, Kodwa Liakulunyi Swa Msamo. Now, you've got different, um, you can call them sections or, 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 or groups of people who speak on these issues. Now, some will say, no, this is not correct. Because you sacrifice something. Now, this particular uh, uh, section of, 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 of this school of thought, but there are three types of idols or amadlos. One of them, but idols elibi, which is uh, what you and I, what Christians call a demonic spirit. It's, um, they acknowledge the fact that it's a spirit that brings with it darkness. It wreaks havoc, it destroys. Uh, it, it, it just does not uh, pull together, but it, it breaks apart. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a demon. That's what they say. Now, this is where most African people uh, rally around this one. Uh, forefathers or ancestors. It's a good spirit. A good spirit. A spirit to be embraced. And then they go on to say, you connect with this particular spirit through what they call umsamo. Umsamo, for those of, of us who tuning may not understand what I'm saying, so I keep on mixing. Umsamo is an altar or a shrine. It's an altar. So they are saying you, commu you, you, you commune, you communicate, you establish a relationship uh, with this one through the altar. Uh, on the altar, umsamo, they are saying you can pray there, you can sing there. You can talk there. They say you can even uh, recite poetry there. Depending on how you are feeling and what you want to communicate, they say you can even read there. But they, they, they say this is where you, you commune with them. And the last uh, an old, a living old lady or person can be called Izozi. The way he explains it. 
And finally, on this group, before I share the Bible view on these issues, this group also says, as indigenous Africans, I quote, as indigenous Africans, in our culture, we never worshipped Amadlus, but we interacted with them. We only worshipped and still worship Umvelingang, Amata. Uh, before they say before the Bible came and before the Quran and before the Torah came, they're saying before all, all these uh, faiths came into Africa, they were already worshiping Ukamata Umvelingang. He's saying they never worshipped Amadlus. Now that's what they believe. Uh, but what they don't understand, family, which I'm going to maybe explain later, is the fact that the word worship means something deeper than what I think their, their understanding of the word worship, Ukonza, is very superficial than what the word really means. Now, let me share with you uh, a, a biblical view. Uh, like I shared with you last week, our departed ones, Bazalwan, our departed loved ones, the people that you loved and I loved, are either in hell or in heaven. That's a biblical uh, perspective on these issues. That's what the Bible says. It's the oldest book uh, in life, which has been proven to be very factual by people from a sec the secular world historians. Uh, certain things which are related in the Bible with regards to history, not even spirituality. Those things have been validated by historians who don't even care about who God is. They just focus uh, on the Bible with regards to historical facts. So, our departed loved ones, as we speak, they are either in hell or in heaven. That's one. I want you to note that. Number two, our ancestors, Bazalwan, uh, like I told you last week, are not demons. Uh, they, they don't transform into demonic beings after they die. It does not happen. It, 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 that's not how it works. They don't transform into demonic beings when they die. Number three, I want you to understand that they are demons. They are demons. As um, while this thing is saying we are unstable, I hope you can still hear me. They are demons. Uh, spiritual activity that is not Bible-based is influenced by demonic spirits. Any activity in the earth that is uh, it's not of God, that has to do with darkness, as far as, as, far as the Bible is concerned, that particular activity uh, is influenced, it's engineered by demonic spirits because they work for the kingdom of darkness to do away with the which God is building in the earth. God has got an agenda for the nations of the earth to build them, to, to, to sway them so that they look at life God ways. The enemy has got another a parallel agenda. So he uses demonic spirits to get into people and to influence the way they do life, which is what you and I call culture. And uh, the fourth thing I want you to understand, family, is the fact that there is such thing as uh, ancestral worship. Ancestral worship. 
with blood sacrifices. So as much as VVO there is no such thing. When you begin to conduct research and begin to look into it, you will realize that even what he thinks is not worship. Uh, it is actually worship. When you understand the world of the spirit, how these things uh, operate. Worship, it's, uh, it's worth-ship. Worth-ship. A worship means worship. It's a combination of two words. Uh, now, there's a word worth there. In other words, we, we, it's what we value or we assign value. The value or worth we assign to God, we assign to a deity, we assign, we assign to a God, but it's, 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 it's the worth we assign to that thing. So the English, old English word was worship. The new, uh, as English was revised, it was called worship. The apostrophe there the, uh, on top. It's worship, worship. So we know that uh, idols are, uh, ancestors are idolized in Africa. We know that for a fact. People sacrifice animals. They, they want to find the best animal to put on the altar. Uh, why? Because ancestors in their eyes are worth it. They are worth that respect. That's what they are worth, you know. So those who don't worship them, uh, they still uh, talk to the dead. So if he says that they don't worship them, but they still talk to the dead. So either way, uh, if you don't worship and you're still talking to them, now that is problematic according to the word of God because in the Bible that practice of talking to the dead is called necromancy. Necromancy. Necromancy, ukulma nabanga seko. It is defined as it is communication with the dead, uh, usually in order to obtain insight into the future or to accomplish some otherwise impossible task. It also involves summoning spirits, inviting spirits of the dead to foretell future events. I hope you understand that. So necromancy, it is, um, it is found in the Bible and God speaks against it very categorically. He speaks against necromancy. So if we are saying we are not going to that umsamu and we, we, we worship ancestors, yet we are communicating with them. There's a form of communication that happens. The Bible refers to that practice as necromancy. And in Deuteronomy 18, the Bible says in verse 9 to 12, it says, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer. That's where it comes. A necromancer or one who inquires of the dead, 
For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. Now, spiritually, family, when you speak of restoration, remember he spoke of uh, one of his uh, legacies is what is called um, African Renaissance. His concept of, of African Renaissance, to for a better part, is not based on what the Bible would... would Renaissance means to, to a rebirth, to be reborn, or a, a rebirthing of, of, of Africa. So as far as they are concerned, this is what should be focused on more if Africa is to be restored. But I want to tell you something, family. You'll always look like a God that you serve. Now, of course, that has got dimensions to it. But for Africa to be restored, for Africa to look and to reflect light. Remember, Africa has always been called the dark continent. Dark continent, that's a very deep term because we always think about, okay, it's deeper than that. Now, it's not only Africa. There are other nations a white person can, can serve Amadlos, and they do. People that you wouldn't, but theirs is at a, a sophisticated level because Amadlos is part, so we, we bypass them. And we think that they are not uh, partaking in these things. No, they do. They do. But I want you to understand that the Bible says, uh, for the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten on our side. Also their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Now, let me repeat that last phrase. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. If you were very tight with um, somebody who who lived, especially Abantabano, 80 or 90, you know, who would remember Ukoko, for instance. They were very close. There were things that happened that you will not forget. Beautiful, you know, uh, events, uh, certain occurrences that uh, you enjoyed together. So, you, 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 of course, you cannot forget that. So, when it says, uh, but the dead know nothing and they will have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. It doesn't say that we, it doesn't mean that we forget about them. We forget about the interactions we had with them. Uh, it, is, it speaks more in terms of their impact uh, on the earth. This is why it is, um, it is kind of uh, qualified in that last phrase that they have no share in anything done here. In other words, they, they cannot be brought back into this life to participate and to have engagements and to influence destiny. They had their time. They had their share. I said to you last week, if they, if that were to happen, they would be given a second chance uh, to begin to influence events in the earth. God does not do that. It, it's not done in the Bible. You are given a, a, a number of years to do what you were supposed to do within that uh, time frame. You are either obedient or disobedient to what God wants you to do. When you, you, your spirit leaves your body, it's done. You have served your time. And another generation is going to come and they will begin to influence events in the earth also based on who they embrace and what they believe in. Now, I want us to move on to uh, 
cultural impact of Christianity on us. A cultural impact of um, Christianity. In other words, how does Christianity impact us culturally? When I say I am now a born-again believer, what remains of me? Because there is one statement, family, I want to make, and I want you to understand it. It is, uh, it is very serious. I want you to listen to me very carefully. See, the entrance of Jesus into my life cost me nothing except just to believe at the initial part of it. But his continued stay, his continued stay in my life will cost me everything. I want to repeat that statement to you because it's going to determine everything that's going to happen from this day onwards. I'm saying to you, when someone preaches the gospel and I go to the front with a keyboard player playing and I'm walking on the red carpet, it costs me nothing except to accept the invitation by faith that Jesus loves me and he died for me on the cross. But... His continued stay for me to ensure that he remains in my life. That costs me everything. It costs me everything. So the, the cultural implications of receiving Jesus' family, I can dare say they are revolutionary. The cal- I'm going to be honest with you because we have tended to shy away from these, uh, from these topics as the church. And it's incorrect for us to do so. The the cultural implications of my placing my faith in Jesus, in the Bible, in the word of God, I want you to know, because the Bible says we need to count the cost before we, we, we commit ourselves. The implications of receiving Jesus are serious, are very serious. So when I get saved, the word of God transforms me. It transforms me from the inside out. In other words, the word of God from that point onwards, it's the word of God that determines my way of life. So my my relationship with the word becomes spirit deep. Now, I want you to follow me now carefully here, family. Because I'm going to touch certain things which are, are, are really crucial. My relationship with the word becomes spirit deep. My Zulu culture becomes skin deep. Now for the next few moments I want to explain that to you because that is one, one uh, element that we do not understand as God's people. This is why we sometimes find ourselves mixing everything uh, what do we mean by, by skin deep? Skin deep. If, if I am interacting with a culture and it's on a superficial kind of skin deep level, that means I, can, I will continue to speak my vernacular. The fact that I've received Jesus does not change that. I will, I will continue to speak Tswana and learn other African languages. We will continue to wear our ethnic attire. You see, family, this, this year, when I receive Jesus, there is nothing that the Bible says I cannot wear, because this is skin deep. This is, this is at a superficial level. It does not 
This does not determine how I view, for instance, my concept of life after death. My concept of God. I'm just wearing this. All these things, all this. So you continue to, to do this. Your ethnic attires, the stuff that we, we, we do. And uh, we have all these things. See? This one. Low. So we continue all that. There's no problem. Because Samazul, Samazul, Stulamahobo, the sin in them. Now, that cannot, we cannot be stripped uh, that of us. No one can strip that of us. What I'm trying to say. So in Zamu, indigenous dances, all those things, and uh, my interior decor, I can choose to, to put up whatever I want to put up. My flair is along the lines of Africa. I just love African colors and African beads and everything like that in my house. We continue to do that. My uh, cuisine, which is food, that's we are Zulus. And um, we continue also, maybe finally, there are social beneficial practices. Somebody's poor. And then we, we, we get together to assist that, that person so that they are not um, hungry and they don't you know, get famished on, on their own. We get together as a community and then we begin to uh, feed that person. Those things continue. But those things, family, they are skin deep. They are, all of the above are skin deep. Uh, these things do not have any impact on my, on my outlook in terms of life. It does not mean that I have a Zulu-oriented outlook when I, I do all of the above that I've mentioned uh, on issues like life after death. It does not mean that if I I do all the stuff that we do as Amazon. It does not mean that my, 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 my worldview, life after death, and how I seek to solve, uh, solve life's problems and my problem solving... I do not approach that from a Zulu perspective. That is problem solving. Now, kingdom people have a different set of problem solving uh, approaches that God has given us. One of them is prayer, fasting, and all those things. And uh, so... All of the above does not, they don't dictate to me in terms of how I relate with my wife and my children. It does not mean that I have a, a Zulu-oriented outlook on who a woman is. They don't have a voice, for instance. Which is fine for some people. That is, a, that is a, a world view, that's a perception, that's a perspective informed by the teachings which are absorbed from a particular context culturally. 
Now, as he called, as a, a child of God, as a Christian, um, I have a different uh, worldview. So, understand what I'm saying by uh, a skin-deep relationship with a culture. So, it is the culture family. Now, listen to this next point. It is the culture I am connected to or I am rooted in at a spiritual level that governs me. Uh, and through that culture, uh, my world view is constructed. So, uh, we relate with the word of God at a spiritual level, not skin deep, but spirit deep. So, the word uh, is spirit deep. The culture of the world is spirit deep. The culture, the ethnic culture is skin deep. Now, I'm talking to you as a born again believer so that you don't live and throw away all of my income and everything that is beautiful that we have as Africans. But I wanted to understand how this works. Now, the next thing I want you to understand, because I, I'm hoping as I, as I talk to you, you're going to learn a whole lot of things today and um, your perspective will have changed on, on a whole range of issues. I believe, family, two or more cultures can coexist in one person. Now, listen to me. Some of you will get shocked because it will sound uh, self-contradictory. It's not. Uh, two or more cultures can co coexist in one person on one condition. We can be in a courtship, that is a spirit deep relationship with a number of cultures. But it can only be, I can only have a married uh, relationship or be married to one culture, spirit deep uh, relationship with only one culture. Let me repeat that. I'm saying I can be, I can have a courtship relationship with a whole range of cultures at a skin deep level. But I can only be married to one at a spirit level. Now, now listen, listen, listen very carefully and then walk with me. Culture at a spiritual level is beyond a isari or iskeke or ipeshu or samusa or istam. Culture at a spiritual level uh, is it, beyond these things, usamusa or priyani, uh, which we associate with a particular culture. No, no, that's, that's skin deep. That does not... Uh, transform anything finish. In other words, I can speak five languages if I want. I can love French food. I can be uh, maybe attached to e e Italian clothes. I the taste in was a and um, in African decor. See, I, I already about four cultures there, but I'm only in a courtship relationship with these. One of them, five languages, that's another one. And in the other one, that is all at a, it's skin deep. It's skin deep. But I can only have one culture which impacts me at a spirit level. Now, culture that is spirit deep is that which allows me to transform my worldview and that particular culture 
it, it forges my identity. The culture that I relate with at a spirit level forges my identity. In other words, who I think I am and how I view life, how I look at anything, it is determined, uh, it is uh, dealt with through the filter of that particular culture that I relate with at, at, at a spiritual level. Now, for some, uh, the culture that impacts them at a spirit level, uh, a culture, zone. That's, that's, that's what moves them in their soul. They look at life through the prism of that culture. But for us as God's people, it's the word of God. Everything else is it's all but for me to be able to open my heart and I allow that particular culture to influence me. Now that is at a, a spiritual level. Now, as Christians, we accept the following. Let me explain this to you. Um, I'm going to just close in the next 10 minutes. This is what we, as God's people, accept. African culture, number one, is beautiful. African culture is rich. African culture is colorful. African culture is lovely. African culture must, of course, be protected. It must be conserved. And it must be respected. I said African culture must be protected, it must be conserved, and it must be respected. Now, what does Christianity do to any indigenous culture? Now, listen to me, family, because it's first of we need to balance these things. Inkoliabu Christu does not look down upon Christi, um, African culture or it does not look down upon it. That's not what the Bible teaches. It, it doesn't. It doesn't do that. Uh, because God loves diversity. That's why I started quoting that scripture in the book of Revelation, the diversity of nations before him. But at the time, they would have been made one nation by uh, God's word. Number two, Christianity does not blindly. Now, this is very important, Basil One. This is where everything then begins to be distinguished. Now, I want you to now, if you didn't hear anything I said before, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say as I close. Christianity does not blindly accept everything, every cultural expression. Christianity does not blindly accept every cultural expression or tradition that we go, we're just going to absorb it and embrace it at the face of it. What Christianity does, we, God's word does this with culture. It, it pulls out and it casts aside those elements of culture that have been inspired or imported by Satan into it. This is why now the word of God begins to serve as a filter or as a safe. 
pulls out every element of culture that does not align with kingdom culture, with the nature of godliness. The nature of godliness. That is one major thing that the word of God does with any culture. It, it filters. It filters such that everything that does not smell like, look like, taste like, doesn't have a DNA of God because it is not representative of the principles and values of godliness and the kingdom. Those things are therefore dropped. Why, family, must we do that? Because those practices are meant to enslave and to bind the people. I said to you last week, the enemy has always done this because he knows that culture is land. If culture is land, then he can also uh, put his things in for those things to be land. I said to you last week, the reason why he did that is so that his, uh, these evil and wicked practices can enjoy longevity. In other words, they can have a, a long span because if every generation uh, practices these things under the guise of these things being my culture, I'm going to ensure that I pass this down to my son and he does the same. So there's longevity in the practice as wicked as it is. That, has, that was a stroke of genius from him, to be honest. Number two, he imported his practices into culture. This is the second reason for uh, protection. If it, it, is, it is my custom, my grandfather told me this is my tradition, this is what we do as all Kabash. I'm going fight, to fight tooth and nail to preserve, it's for preservation, to preserve that particular tradition against anyone who speaks against it. Not knowing that what I'm protecting, I am protecting a demonic practice that was never even meant to be a part of who I am. Amen. Now as I close, family, uh, there is this particular scripture which you all know. It's found in 1 Peter 2.9 that says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. There, there's a lot of stuff there, but remember that it says, it says a holy nation and his own special people. We are a nation. We have a king and the king, the nation has a culture. And the king seeks for the culture of the kingdom to be lived out by the subjects of the kingdom, which is you and I. I cannot claim to be loyal to the king. And that he expects from me. I cannot demonstrate under his leadership. It is an insult. To his kingship and his royalty and kingdom for me to demonstrate a deviant culture other than the culture that he has endorsed. What I'm saying to you is this family, 
as God's people, we are a nation. You must understand that we are a, a nation amongst nations in the world. We are, we are God's nation. We have a king who rules over us. And our king looks at us and he wants us to demonstrate and display a culture. It's called the culture of the kingdom. There, there are certain values and, 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 the, and the way that he wants us to do life. There is a way he wants me to treat women. There is a, a way he wants me to, to treat my wife and to, to, to live in my marriage. There is a way that God wants us to treat finances and he speaks to those things. Everything that the Bible speaks of in every area of our life is because that's how he wants us to do life in those areas. When we are obedient and we do life, we obey either financially or in relationships or in any other area, we are then doing life according to what he wants us to do life. And then that is where Matthew 6 gets established. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. How does his kingdom come? By us demonstrating the culture of the kingdom in every facet, every avenue, every area of our existence. His uh, uh, values, his principles, uh, his way of doing life finds expression through a door called obedience into the earth realm. So as I close, Bazalwan, we have been called as God's people not just to do church, not just to be religious people, to be an, a, a nation amongst nations that lives different. This is, why we do this is why we do not lie. I do not steal, not because there's 10 commandments that I don't steal because it's, it's my culture. I, I, I forgive because it's, it's my culture. It's culture of the kingdom. I am patient because people in my nation are patient people. I give because people in my nation give. Everything the Bible says we must, even the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit, it's who we are. It's our DNA. It's how we do life. Not because umfundi ute. Not because postal ute. It's because that's who we are. It's our culture. That's how we do it. And God enjoys it when he has a people in the earth who distinguish themselves from other people, when he says no sex before marriage and everything else um, that he says in his word, when we begin to live that way, he is glorified, his kingdom is established, and God receives all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, family, let me pray with you tonight. And Father, we thank you for the grace that you have given us to walk with you and to be ambassadors, because that's who we are. We are ambassadors of the kingdom. There's a desire in our heart to do life your way, because when we do life your way, we win. When we do life your way, uh, there's victory and there's peace. When we do life God's way, we begin to enjoy um, something that we would not enjoy if we were rebellious and we lived according to the nations of the world. And Father, I pray for your people today for revelation. Even if, as I've shared this word tonight, I pray, O oh God, in the name of Jesus, that you open their eyes to see that there will be illumination and understanding and there will be light for them to understand who they are and why we were brought here in the earth realm for your glory. 
in Jesus' name and God's people said,